Hello and welcome to the Profitable Practice Podcast with me, Andrea Maxim, naturopathic doctor turned healthpreneur. And every week I'm bringing you no nonsense, no BS, actionable strategies to create a practice that is not only profitable, but fully sustainable by you. If you're an action taker like me and want to create a practice that is profitable, then you've come to the right place. Hey, this is Andrea Maxim with the Profitable Practice Podcast, and I have my good friend, Robert Horovitz, who I think we've known each other since CCNM, but we didn't really start to form a strong bond until after I graduated, funny enough, and I think we've been on each other's sort of push list and mentor list, kind of relaying things back and forth as far as I can remember. I mean, I've been out for now almost five years. But first, let me tell you that this podcast is sponsored by a brand new tool guide that I've created for you if in-person presentations is what you want to be doing in order to generate new patients. So if you go to www.maximizedbusiness.ca forward slash tool guide, you can download that right away. But without further ado, let's start talking to Rob. So I am just so pumped. And the reason why I'm so pumped to have you on the show, Robert, is because you have taken what we may consider an unconventional route to your naturopathic career. And I think it's important for people to know that yes, while I'm coming from a stance of working out of a practice and helping people build their practice, there are other ways that you can conduct yourself as a healthcare practitioner, which doesn't mean you're stuck in a rental contract and in a brick and mortar location. Mm. There are other things that you can do to become successful. And I can't wait for you to tell everybody sort of what your life looks like. And I'd really love to know sort of, you know, what was the transition from the college into where you are now and how that all went for you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we have with each other a long time now. It's crazy how fast things go. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The, um, the route that I've taken isn't really traditional. I think when I first got, so first of all, I graduated from CCM in 2008. It's been a lifelong dream for medicine. So actually, I always thought that I would end up in the traditional route in practice and in clinic. And I did for a few years, and I'll get into that a little bit. But uh, yeah, I've, I've wanted this ever since I was probably five years old. That's all I ever wanted. Anyone who's known me since elementary school, since the age of maybe five, uh, back when it was just a matter of, you know, I want to help people. That was the simple, simple answer um, to why you'd want to be a doctor when you grow up type of thing. That was That's my story, for sure. Anything I've ever done, any test I've ever studied for, burning them in at all, any assignment, anything, going into some sort of medicine, well, conventional medicine really was the dream since I was a little kid, and... When I was in university, I stumbled upon this pamphlet for CCM, and it was one of those old-school pamphlets. I don't know if you might remember those. It had a picture of a flower on it. No. <laughs> I remember this was in 2003, I want to say. Right. So uh, anyway, I was at York University. I saw this pamphlet, and I, I shortly realized that naturopathic medicine wasn't just alternative medicine like it was a few decades ago. There was this entire profession surrounding it, and uh, within the next few days, I, I – sort of decided the next few years of my life and you know you know what it's like going through CCNM it's hard it's rigorous um, you learn a lot you come out sort of thinking yeah you're going to go and practice and you know go be a doctor and treat you know millions of patients at your clinic 
And when I first got out, I realized that I, you know, you're not going to have patients coming in day one. You might if you're an expert marketing and you, you know how to plan it out that far in advance. Uh, it's possible. People, people do that where they open up shop and they actually have patients booked in for a long period of time. That wasn't the case with me. And so I was lucky enough. I actually practiced for about three years. I found um, an excellent clinic. It was around for about 30 years, sports medicine focus, uh, four chiropractors, a, mas a massage therapist. And it was absolutely wonderful. But I thought in the beginning, as I start to build my patient base, my idea was to then start working in the natural health industry. As a matter of fact, actually, once I, while in school, I worked at a local health food store uh, to try and pay for books and extra food and such. Very close to CCNM, actually. And so I was exposed a little bit to the natural health industry that way in terms of different brands and different versions of quality and so forth. So I think it was sort of a natural transition from retail, literally working in retail on the sales floor as a student, to then try and see whether there might be a, a good fit out there to work in a company. And the idea originally was to work for a company, you know, hopefully provide as much value as I could to them, creating a name for myself, but then also practicing, building it up to the point that I would have a full practice and then eventually just, you know, make a decision or keep going that route. Um, so that was kind of really what led to that sort of division. I was sort of exposed to both worlds. I was intimately integrated into the profession, but I was also starting to fall in love with the industry itself. And what was it about um, the industry that was just sort of like, I think this is more my, not calling, but this is more the route I want to go. Yeah, well, you know, originally I, was, I started out, I was working in an office, so I wasn't too, too fond of that. But... I was exposed to the products. Originally, it was the products that I just loved. Whole food, the key distinctions, organic, non-GMO, um, full spectrum. These ideas that sort of leads back to my grandmother's cooking. That's what it sort of reminded me. In school, it was all about isolated compounds and nutraceuticals and what you can do for certain diseases. But at the end of the day, working for a whole food distribution company, it sort of reminded me of home in a certain way. It reminded me sort of why I signed on to naturopathic medicine in the first place. And so I slowly realized there's this entire uh, industry out there full of other companies and incredibly passionate people uh, who were very much in line with the same sort of version of naturopathic medicine that I saw myself practicing, more so on that nutritional route. So I think that's really was the beginning of it. And then what started happening is I practiced for three years. I loved it, actually. I love practicing um, I would always return back to practicing. I've never closed that door. I love the idea of meeting one-on-one -on -one with a person, diving deep into their case, trying to figure out what the root cause is. That, to me, is just the best. It's just incredible. But having, I was sort of dividing my time into four different areas. Uh, one, I was working. Then two, I also taught. I taught anatomy and physiology at the Institute of Holistic Nutrition in Toronto. And then that little pocket of time that was left was sort of divided between me physically practicing, seeing patients, and then trying to market myself to actually acquire those patients. And which, you were with difficult. your wife. of, And, and I, I found in your bio, you met your wife when you were 21. I did, yeah. So you're yeah, still yeah. having to take care of her as well. So there's also the life aspect of it too. Right, for sure, for sure. And now we have two little, um, two small children. I have yeah. a three-year-old son and a two-year-old daughter who are my universe, for sure. So as you can tell, I mean, you're a mother now too, right? So, yeah, um, yeah. Wow, 
how time changed. But yeah, definitely that was on my mind. So I was trying to, I was sort of, I think at the time I was dipping my feet into too many different puddles, so to speak. I was doing too much. And then in this distribution company, it was a distribution. See, not all companies, you don't necessarily, especially here in Canada, you don't always work for the actual company if you're going to venture into the natural health industry. A lot of these big corporations are American. And when they come into Canada, they go through these distribution companies. And there's many of them. There's Purity Life, EcoTrend. I work for Advantage Health Matters. There's plenty of great ones out there. Yeah. But what happens is they're a collective of many different brands. So one of the brands ended up acquiring their distribution rights back and starting the Canadian version of that company. So moving forward with them, it was just this incredible opportunity to sort of work with a very small group of people to start up. It was like a startup company here in Canada. So it was very exciting. Yeah. It was just, it was incredible. They had an incredible culture behind them. And so at that point, when an opportunity arose to go out on the road, um, I sort of thought to myself, you know, I think I think this is it. I have to make a decision now. Either I'm going to go full out and practice, or I'm going to venture into the natural health industry and just, you know, take that pill and see how sort of deep the rabbit hole goes, you know. And that's what I did, and uh, that was about four-ish years ago, and I've loved every minute of it. Now, for those who are listening that are sort of like, man, when and, and I'm coming from my own perspective, when I see... Um, naturopaths and healthcare practitioners aligned with supplement companies and nutraceutical companies. There's a part of me that's like, man, I think that's what I need to be doing, like the exposure and all of that. So describe to me sort of your perception, number one, getting your foot in the door with these companies so that you can become such an mm -hmm. integral part of what they're doing. And number two, describe, you know, what the um, Hollywood side of it looks like versus what yeah. potentially like your role was with the company because I certainly don't see your face on billboards and things like that. And yet you had a right. very predominant right. role with these, with these companies. Right. Yeah, for sure. So there's different, there's different versions. I think, so let me start with the, um, the first part of the question. Yeah. How do you get the foot in the door into, into these companies? So I think, but before you do that, I mean, there's a plethora of different companies out there and, I think especially for naturopathic doctors where we have such a unique role in the natural health industry. I mean, it's really, the naturopathic profession is, is intimately intertwined with the industry. Just a lot of docs don't necessarily see that. They see them as separate, but they're not. Yeah, like all of our patients are shopping in the natural health industry. You know, we're, we're, we're trying to teach them about different distinctions within the natural health industry. So I think that's an important distinction to make. But when you're approaching a different company, I think it's important, first of all, to be very selective. Know where your core values are, and then try and just learn as much as you can about that company in terms of where their core values are, and see if it might be a good fit. And I think that's the way you sort of get your foot in the door, uh, by sort of identifying which companies might be a great fit, and start to think about a lot of the questions. Learn, learning as much as you can about these companies. Specific events, though, the CHFA, that's the Canadian Health Food Association, there's two of them in Canada. There's one in September, October. That's at, usually in Toronto, Metro, uh, what is it, the Metro Ontario Convention Center, downtown Toronto on Front Street. And then there's one in Vancouver, which is usually May, April. And those are the two largest, best trade shows where all the vendors come in, all these companies coming in to try and get exposed to health food stores all over the country. So if you want to go and meet somebody from any company, this is your chance. This is your chance to get FaceTime. Usually you'll have the, the, the people from at the highest levels at this show. Yep. 
CEOs, founders, national sales managers, uh, you name it, uh, VPs of business development, uh, whatever, they're all there. So one great way to do it is to do it in advance. I found that has always worked very well. You do your research, you, you know, you go through the normal steps in terms of inquiring whether something might be a good fit through cover letter and inquiring and meeting people within the industry. But then when you show up to an event like the CHFA, especially if you have an appointment, it's a great deal because they'll set aside some time for you. And yes. it might not be for a specific job, but it might be just to ask them questions, pick their brain. What are they looking for? What type of positions are available? Where do they see the company going? What's important to them as a corporation? Uh, what are their biggest challenges? I think we as naturopathic doctors, we have so much to offer this industry in helping these companies overcome their challenges and telling their story. Yep. Um, you know, so I think that's that's a great way to get the foot in the door. Um, second part was the Hollywood side of it. It's so funny you mentioned that because it's so true. One of the best examples I could think of, I I always use the American example. Certainly here in Canada, actually, we do have spokespeople. Um, I'm trying to think of her name now, Dr. Kate something. What is her last name now? Anyway, she works for Natural Factor. She wrote a book called The, I think it was called The Calcium Paradox. Um, anyway, so she, she's a great example. But I always think of Andrew Wheel, Dr. Andrew uh, yeah. Wheel of Whale in the U.S. So he's not a naturopathic doctor. He's a medical doctor, a Harvard graduate, but that's really swayed more to, towards the naturopathic side of things. He's been on, he, when Larry King was on, he was on Larry King like five or six times, built a name for himself that way. So I think a lot of these big, big names, they end up building themselves through TV. That's how you really get that poster. Um, there's that radio host. Uh, what's her name now? She works for a company called Sierra Sill. Uh, anyway, she, she, she got her claim to fame is on radio. So a lot of times going, going into the media first and foremost, getting media exposure is a way to then when you approach these companies, you end up being sort of a spokesperson for the company. I never went that route, so I, you know my face was never in a bottle, although I'd love that for my own ego. I think that would be fantastic. Um, I was on um, the company. I was on their website as part of a scientific uh, panel, like as part of like yes. a scientific advisory yeah. panel. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool. But, yeah, it would be amazing to be on a, on a bottle for sure. I think um, especially if, if it's a product that you really believe in and you can really stand behind. Because, again, it's not just – slapping your face on something because right. you're also responsible for that too. So Absolutely. yeah, you know, so then let's talk about, okay, so now we're in it and this is now the, the route that you took. Was there any fear to that? Was there sort of like, what was the, I guess the stereotype is we go into practice. That's what we do. Was there yeah. any of that sort of debate where you're like, Oh, you know what? I just don't feel like I'm, fulfilling what I went to school for now that I'm more in the industry? Did you have to go through that sort of mental dilemma, if you will? Absolutely, for sure. It was a huge debate, but it didn't happen overnight. It happened over the course of a long period of time. So it wasn't just a rash decision. It was slowly, you know, I was practicing for three years. Uh, the practice was growing. It grew to the point where I started seeing referrals from patients. But again, a lot of my time was spent on the marketing side. And while in practice, I didn't really know what I was doing in terms of the marketing. I really didn't. And I was sort of fooling myself. I was really alone in it. I thought I had to do it alone. Um, although the clinic was great and I had incredible opportunities, we did fundraising events. We did hockey for the homeless, which is amazing. We've, we've done incredible things as a clinic, and I got to collaborate with them. And certainly there was some inter-referral there, but 
two big challenges that I found in the clinic was that, well, one, I really didn't have a mentor. I didn't have somebody to take me under their wing and really show me what to do. I had fantastic mentors at school, um, you know, and now I have fantastic mentors, you know, like, you know, you and I, we chat all the time. I mean, just collaborating, bouncing ideas off each other. It's phenomenal when you have like-minded people. But in clinic, I didn't have that at all. They were from a different um, form of practice. Yeah. Absolutely. And they were already established for many, many years and it was different. And so while they were fantastic at marketing, chiropractic, massage therapy, they didn't know how to market naturopathic medicine. And to be quite frank, neither did I. Right. I just didn't know it at the time. But but looking back now, I didn't know how to market naturopathic. Even now, actually, I'm not 100% sure I really know. If I can go back into practice, I don't, you know, it's difficult. You have to continuously refine, refine, make it simple and appeal not to you and your ego or to, you know, we're, we're not appealing to other naturopathic doctors. We're appealing right. to the public. <laughs> we think we, we need to, you know, oh, our, you know, we need to sort of um, create this clinic that our, our colleagues and so forth will, can look and say, wow, look what he's doing. It, it, it's a successful model. But actually, that couldn't be further from the truth. It's all about patients and the community. And so you have to really get in their mindset. And that's where I think an amazing mentor would be super useful. So that was a huge basis for my decision. I didn't want to spend, I didn't want to give up the industry and then spend all that time running around in circles on the marketing pattern. Now, before we go back to the industry, there were a few things that you told me earlier before the call that you wanted to share that you found for like for most people with marketing did not work for you. Not to say it won't work for everyone, but like talks and booths and events for for whatever reason just did not jive. And I I was hoping that you could just touch on that before we continue. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that, that's a great, great um, point. One of the things that really comes to mind are talks. Absolutely. So talks are very valuable. And in the beginning, actually throughout the three years, I would ask other naturopathic doctors sort of what they are doing in terms of attracting patients and getting the uh, the word out there. And they mentioned that they do all these talks. So talks can be an amazing way. And, and it did get me a few patients here and there, but it was painstaking. The amount to talks to patient ratio was very small. And the amount of work that goes into it was just atrocious. And, you know, this isn't, this isn't why I spent you know, 25 years of my, or whatever, 20 years of my life dreaming about medicine for. Um, And I also received incredibly bad advice when I was in school uh, from somebody who taught us business. They had mentioned that when they do talks, that one of the things that they had found very successful was to find sort of a general topic and then always just give in, you want to milk out the information, basically. That's that's their advice. So you, you don't want to give away the farm. You, you just want to give away little teasers um, to sort of get people inspired. And they're going to be so grateful and so thankful that this amazing doctor gave them this incredible tool that they're going to be lining up to see you. That was basically the advice. And so, for example, you know, how to deep breathe uh, or drink more water. Right. Like, that's an incredible tip that nobody knows, you know. Right. So that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, one of my favorite books of all time, a business book, um, maybe you know it, Gary Vaynerchuk, yeah. who I love. He wrote this book called, he wrote several books, and his latest books are sort of uh, to-do books, like how-to. Mm-hmm. But one of his earlier books is called The Thank You Economy. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. It's an amazing, amazing book. Yeah, for some reason, even Gary, he says this is his favorite book that he wrote. It's called The Thank You Economy. 
And I think it's just the best because it sort of looks at business as a sort of a small town where you build equity with each other. For example, you and I, you know, if somebody else, you wouldn't do a, a stranger's podcast, neither would I, even if it was about the exact same topic for the exact same length of time. But why are we here together? Because we built, we built Our equity rapport. over time. Yeah. Our rapport, exactly. For some reason, you know, you wouldn't listen to a stranger, but what is the value of listening to your mom? That value is incredible because you've built equity for over a long period of time. So you're going to listen to what she has to say. So I think that's, that goes with practice a lot of the thing. And that's why it was such bad advice that you're not here to give little tidbits and milk it and just hear it. You're here to give as much value as you possibly can without breaking any lines. You don't want to be giving medical advice, but you want to be pumping the crowd so full of value that they can't help but think, holy cow, if he gave away all this in a free talk, imagine what it's like going to see him. And the other thing, too, which was never mentioned, I only learned this later on, is that the crowd in front of you aren't necessarily patients. It's, they might know? be interested in that topic, but one of their friends, yeah, exactly, who do they know? So it's like, hey, you've got to check out this guy. You know, he has his podcast here or whatever. Go listen. you gotta, you got to hear it. So I think that was very bad advice that I, um, I wish I knew back then, actually. And, now and, you know, and, and back to talk, yeah. I was just going to say, now you've really established yourself as quite a knowledgeable and quite a big speaker in your own right. Well, thanks. You know what? Speaking, actually, earlier on, I always had a fear of speaking when I was much, much younger. And along along the line, I just, it became this incredible passion. I love speaking. Um, so it was just, it was natural, just speaking at different uh, events, doing presentations, trainings for sure, training, you know, going around, I've, I've seen hundreds, uh, just hundreds and hundreds of stores across Canada. So doing those just became a natural progression and I just, I love it because you can stand there and especially if you make it very dynamic the way we're doing this now, it becomes sort of a learning experience, but it's also just a fun engagement. And I think that's what it's all about. That's why I love it so much. That, that's why I went into medicine, really, to engage with people and to help with people. So I think speaking is very fulfilling in that way, um, which is why I really don't regret the decision to transition from a clinic situation to more of a role where I can speak and just interact with more people at once, I think. So let's talk about sort of what your business model looks right now. Because I think right now you're really getting more into exactly what you said, the education piece, the video piece. So let's describe how that's been going um, for you and sort of what the next steps are, what you've learned. Yeah, so definitely what I've learned is, well, let me, let me try and think of sort of a key, key thing that I've learned in terms of speaking First of all, you have to know your audience. That goes back down to the basics. But I think knowing knowing what your objection is with the speaking is very, very important. So, so for me, for example, because I don't practice, I'm not there getting patients. I'm there to sort of, especially working for a company, what you want to be doing is, so this is what I tell people I do. I tell people that I educate health food stores, or I inspire or teach health food stores, rather, how to then educate the public on key core distinctions within our industry. That's basically in a nutshell what I do. So when I do speaking, that's basically what it's focused on. Um, my passion has always been on chronic disease in terms of conditions. So I, I really like focusing on chronic disease. That's been a, a passion and focus for a long, long time. But I think what I've really learned about speaking is you can't just put together a bunch of research and cite it all and just go by point by point. You really have to 
set the mood, inspire, enthuse, create a situation where it's very dynamic and people are engaged and asking questions. Um, and actually, it's a common thing within the industry. I learned right right away when I when I ventured into the natural health industry. They were asking me, like, sort of, you know, why do you want to come in this industry? You know, we've seen out of experience that doctors make the worst speakers. They they told me this. And they're right, actually. Doctors do make the worst speakers. I mean, you've been to a lot of seminars. They're dry. They basically structure them like school, like curriculum. Yes. But, 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 and the public, you know, they don't, want, they don't want to read that. They're not going to understand it. So I think making it as personable as proper as, as possible and just having fun, really. Not taking yourself too seriously as a doctor, I think, is, is important if you want to go that route. But, I mean, different strokes, you know. Now, I love speaking to patients I, or future patients. Like, that's my jam. I am really yeah. good. I figured out the language. I know how to close at least 30% of the people that show up because I know how to put the information together in such a way that is dynamic. But for those people that are working in the industry and are talking to what I would consider sort of like-minded people, you're educating people like yourself, is there an element of fear that now that I'm sort of on the same playing field as the people I'm speaking to, I am, I'm afraid I have to look a certain way, I have to speak a certain way, I have to give all this extra information because there are a lot of um, people in the health industry that are that maybe want to speak to their colleagues. And I can tell you, for one, that is like the biggest fear of my entire life. As much as I want to be a <laughs> keynote speaker for our people, yeah, yeah. when it comes to talking about health stuff to people that are on the same playing field as me, it just terrifies me and I will avoid it to the nth degree. So how did you kind of go over that or overcome that or, or what is that process like? Yeah, I think, I think you have to know who your people are, uh, I think. My people, I've noticed, actually aren't with, from within the industry. I, I, just, I just know that about myself. So I could go up in front of our colleagues and speak and if I could offer any value, that would certainly be something over... Um, uh, that would be worthwhile, um, which is also something to consider. I think that's the thing to consider. Can you offer them value? If you can offer them value and you really think they can, you can, then it's worthwhile regardless of how you think you might sound or whatever. I mean, because that's what it's about. But I think knowing who your people are, a lot of our colleagues prefer speaking in that sort of environment. I actually prefer speaking to the person who doesn't really know much about the industry or doesn't really know much about because they don't know, they're confused, you know, and, and the value that I could provide to them is to help give them clarity. You know, without clarity, how are they going to achieve their health goals? You know, people are sort of disenchanted by our whole industry. They think everyone's selling them something yeah. and they don't know who to believe. So we get that from on the profession side, but we also get that on the industry side, you know, in terms of supplements and quality and what really work and what doesn't and so I think I think it's really important just knowing who your audience is. And for me, really, I, I know my audience isn't isn't really to speak to other doctors. They know it all, you know. And I think that's certainly that's where you know maybe that apprehensive sort of feeling comes from is that you're speaking to the know-it-all crowd. Yeah. So you feel this incredible pressure to sort of oh wow now I really gotta step up my game. But that's not why we became doctors, not to impress our colleagues, or at least I didn't. I, I became a doctor to. Um, hopefully add value to people who want to make a difference. The doctors can make a difference on their own. They don't need me. So, and, I'm, and I, I've learned that over time. I, I didn't always feel that way. When I graduated from school, I certainly had that. But I think that was that was in me. That was that was sort of an ego thing. Sure. <laughs> I don't have that. Any, well, I mean, we all have it, but I've certainly come to terms with it. 
But that's also important to understand, too, is, and I think the whole purpose of, of where our conversation is going is there's always pros and cons to everything. And if you want to go down this stream, this is who you're going to be speaking to. Are you comfortable with that? And maybe presentations aren't what you want to do. Yeah. I mean, you've just started to launch a YouTube channel as well. So even going into yeah. sort of how that's going and making those videos and what brought you into that other stream. Because as you know, I also have a YouTube channel that I've been working on for a number of years, but that inspired you potentially to yeah. start it as well. So even with that, you have mm -hmm. to have a certain level of rapport and you're not seeing the other person on the other end, which makes it difficult, right? You're basically talking to your computer and hoping that the people that it are really watching yeah. are reacting the way you want them to. So even touch on that a little bit. And of course, give us your um, YouTube channel as well. Yeah, so um, my YouTube channel, it's, uh, first of all, you can go to lifelongwell.ca, so www.lifelongwell.ca, and there's a tab there that just says Dr. Rob TV, and you can just click on that. Um, so that's that's the best way. Uh, there's a speaking page on there. Um, anyone who wants to download my platform document, they could read more about me and what I've done and, and see if there might be a match there, a potential ma a fit. But... Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible. Certainly, yeah, you, you, you know what it's like creating a YouTube channel. There's definitely that fear. I, I think that's why most people just don't do it. First of all, it's a lot of, it's a lot more work than people realize. It's not just having a dialogue. It's all the behind the scenes stuff that goes on and the planning. And, you know, hopefully you just get better and better. And I, and I haven't been around for that long. Like you mentioned, I'm sort of just starting and, and it's been a lot of fun so far. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. Um, and hopefully it, it just gets better and better as I go. That, that's the hope, you know, like any sort of craft, learn from the people like yourself who've already been doing it. But I, I think that's why a lot of people just don't do it. They have this fear. They're afraid of what other people are going to think. So they just don't get out there. They're afraid of sort of putting themselves out there. And you do have to get over that fear. You really do. And it's not easy. Um, I had it. I still have it. You, you're always, I'm always sort of thinking, oh, you know, if somebody sees this, what are they going to think? But for me, what I do is I remind myself that it's not for that person. It's for this person. This is the type of person that I'm trying to reach. This is who I'm trying to add value to. This person who doesn't like it, well, maybe they already know it. It's not for them. Or maybe they, you know, they're just trying to be critical or, you know, whatever it is. But if we allow ourselves to become consumed by that, we'll never end up trying new things. And so... For me, this is an incredible new thing that I'm trying and I'm loving it. Good, good. And I so. do encourage people. And, and the biggest um, hang-up that I find most people have is, well, how do I create something new? And from the people, like the podcasts that I've been listening to and when I speak to other people and even how I've implemented it in my own practice is I'll get an email from someone who I'm following on their list. They talk about health and I'm like, you know what? That information is pretty good. I'm going to make a video about it. So I will literally sort of regurgitate what I learn if you get Google alerts. So that's the newest thing I've done is I now have Google alerts for digestion yeah. or weight loss. And if an article comes up, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to summarize that in a video. The key thing to remember when it comes to presentations, when it comes to YouTube videos, when it comes to anything that you're putting yourself out there for, is that everyone is going to be engaging with you and your personality you know, the information they may have heard of before, but they didn't hear it from your perspective. They didn't hear it from your mouth. They didn't hear it with your um, personality built into it. And it's you that people are going to be buying into. And it's you that your patients are choosing. Because I've certainly had, you know, at my seminars, I don't think I'm doing anything new. I talk about weight loss, food sensitivities, 
digestive health. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they've heard it from many people before me, and yeah. yet I'll still have patients that have seen other naturopaths come to see me and they say, you know what, you and I just have a better connection. And, and that's something to think about, yeah. but you do have to put yourself out there. Definitely. Yeah, you, you definitely do. And it's true. Yeah. You, I mean, everything's been said and done. Pe people, especially when it comes to lifestyle decisions, lifestyle choices, essentially it comes down to these basics that people just don't want to do. So yeah, if they can hear it a separate way or if they can get inspired, it, it all comes down to the presentation for that person. It's about getting inspired enough. <laughs> Sorry. Um, there's this old, there's this old sort of, um, you know, people need to be motivated, right? If they're not motivated or inspired, they're not going to do it no matter what. So I take the, I take the example of my wife. She'll probably kill me for mentioning this, but you know, a lot of the times, no matter how much I kick and scream and, and sort of, you know, encourage her to do this, that, and the next thing, um, and she encourages me to do the same, by the way. Um, her answer is just, you know what, I, if I'm going to do it, I, I'm going to do it on my own. You know, nobody can force me to do it. And that really actually is a huge wake-up call because people do. They need to get inspired. Either they'll be inspired on their own or they need to be inspired by somebody. And so that's why absolutely these people, they're coming to you because you inspire them. Right. Um, and somebody else might inspire somebody else. So, yeah, absolutely. I think – we just have to find who who our core audience really is. That takes time. It know. does take time. And you'll always hear in business, you have to create your avatar, create your avatar, find that niche person. And yeah. I hear people talk about this all the time. And I'm just sort of like, well, when people are just getting started, they don't know necessarily who's mm -hmm. going to gravitate towards them. I mean, my practice has literally come full circle because when I first started, I wanted to do weight loss, but it wasn't the right fit at the time. And now that I've been in practice for a couple of years, I'm finding all of my patients do what we wanted to do. And then they want the weight loss support. So now I'm starting to put more weight loss back in, but it took me until I mm -hmm. started to see the trend of the women that were coming in. And it's interesting that now I can say, okay, it's a, um, a woman predominantly typically between the ages of 35 and 45. Like I typically see women of that age and this is what they're looking for. Um, and not everybody can do that in the very beginning. So you do, the more you put yourself out there and the more these people gravitate towards you, help you to develop that avatar of the people that are going to work with you, not necessarily who you expected, but that's kind of how business works. But if you don't try things, you're not going to be able to develop those connections. No, for sure. Yeah. Like where do these people hang out? You know, maybe it's the, it's a person who eats at Subway because to them, that's the healthier choice. So that's where they hang out, you know, yeah. or whatever. So yeah, it's, it's a definitely, um, it's challenging for sure. It takes a long, it's a long time. So now with regards to, the people that are listening, and I know you have some opinions on people to listen to with regards to business advice and people to not listen to. And yeah. I would love for you to give examples of both. Okay, so here's here's who I would not listen to. And this is not necessarily in business, but really um, in practice. So if you're an naturopathic doctor and you want to go into a clinic situation, it's so important, so important to go and interview who you want to be like. Um, so, so look at great examples, successful examples, successful clinics, and go meet with these people. It might not even be for a job at their clinic. It might be just to interview, pick their brain, ask them what kind of questions would you ask 
while interviewing for a clinic and so forth. So you want to be doing that. But who not to listen to? The people who often will say that their practice is very eclectic. There's this word buzzing around our industry, eclectic. That means that they do everything. This is a person you do not want to listen to. I'm not suggesting that there's no successful models of this, but they're not an expert at anything. So in my opinion, I don't think they can really offer you a ton of value. I think your time is better spent uh, looking at people who have a focus-specific practice um, so that you can really stand out. And then the other thing you don't really want to listen to is when somebody tells you that their marketing strategy has been word of mouth. Let me tell you something. I'm not disagreeing with that. But I want to say, duh. I mean, we became doctors so that we could, you know, we didn't become doctors so that we aren't treating patients to the best of our ability so that they will recommend people. I mean, that, right. that goes without saying. We became doctors so we give people the best treatment possible. They feel outstanding and then they refer everybody. We don't need to interview somebody for that. That's already, that's already one of So I think in terms of marketing strategies, we really want to interview people who have concrete things, concrete methods that they have used. We spoke about talks and presentations. What I wish I would have learned, I actually still wish I would have learned. So if you know anybody, I would love to hear it. But when you're, when you're doing a talk uh, to advertise your practice, I want to know how are they structuring the talk exactly. There's a formula. It's not just by fluke. And if yeah. it is, move on. Find somebody else. There are people out there who structure it exactly in a, in a specific formula. So you're giving tons of value. Um, you might not be targeting that particular uh, audience. You might already have a, a program set up and you have a sign-up sheet in the back, so you just casually finish your talk with a, hey, by the way, I'm having this incredible uh, program. It's beta. It's brand new. It's at this price. If you're interested or I'm doing this talk at this place, at this time, on this condition, I'm trying something new. It's going to be value-packed. If you know somebody suffering with this thing, there's a sign-up sheet in the back. You can just sign up your name. This is just an example of something that I learned. But there are people out there who have it down to a science, and so it's just uh, a constant cycle. They know exactly what they're doing, and so it's it's targeting their audience over the course of a long period of time. Whereas with me, I was structuring these talks randomly, and it was very frustrating. It takes a lot of time. Your time is valuable. Every hour that you spend on this stuff is an hour that you're not helping somebody. So you've got to put that value on it as well. It's not just your value. It's, it's their value too. So we can't be selfish, actually, when you look at it that way. We need to be um, using our time wisely. So those are the people I think I would not uh, – actually, both. The people that I wouldn't listen to and then the people that I would listen to are people that can truly be mentors, that can truly help guide you in a very specific way. So in some cases, that might be actually a business coach, mm -hmm. and I think you and I are in sort of some of those circles. And then other times, it might not even be a business coach per se, but just a naturopathic doctor who is who owns one or many clinics – and whose job it is to train other naturopathic doctors to be successful. Richard Branson, um, my favorite billionaire uh, of Virgin Mobile, he has this saying, it just it keeps going around in circles. It says something like, "Train somebody, give somebody enough training that they're good enough that they can leave at any time, but treat them well enough that they never want to. I've never These heard that before, but I love it. It's one of my favorite quotes. I absolutely love it. And these successful clinic owners, these people who own one, two, and three clinics, like Megan Walker, for example, she, she left the clinic, now she's focusing, or actually, I don't know 100% if she left it, but let's say now she's focusing on other things. It's one day a week that she sees patients. Okay, so you could be damn sure that whoever came into her clinic, she has trained them so well that they could leave at any point, 
but she's, I know Megan, she's treated them so well that they will never want to. Right. So those are the people that you want to, you know, you want to be encountering like the Megans of the world, basically. Don't bombard Megan. I'm just saying, you know, to all the listeners, right? Like, but it's important. Like, it, you need to vet the people that you want to yeah. have inspire you too. And you need to make sure that you're being coached mm-hmm. by people that are genuine and legit and aren't offering boisterous, like, this is what I do. This is how much I make. But they yeah. don't give you the whole story. It's tricky. Right. Exactly. So I think you, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to be alone. There were times where I felt like I was alone. I was doing it all on my own. And it's frustrating, you know, because you want to you want to just um, you you almost don't want to ask for help because you think it takes away from you in a certain way. But actually, it doesn't. It couldn't be further from the truth. Looking at the experts is the way that you can maximize your time. And as naturopathic doctors, you can help more people, which translates into you being much better at what you do. So why wouldn't you want to explore that? You know? Now, as we wrap up, I always love to ask my guests to leave people with a few action steps, like things that they literally could start doing either after the call or tomorrow. What do you think would be some key action steps that people could do? Okay, so for me, my expertise is really within the natural health industry. So if you want to get into the natural health industry, I suggest you go to the CHFA's website. There's the CHFA coming up in Vancouver, for example, in May and April, and they're going to have a list of all of the vendors that are going to be there. Now, you might not live in Vancouver, but these are the companies that you want to look out for. So you want to be going through that list and researching which companies might be a right fit for you. And then you want to start reaching out to them. Find out you know, if it's consulting you want to go into. Find out who the national sales manager is. Find out who the VP of business development is. If it's education and you just want to do presentations, um, find out who the education manager, so forth, is. Um, maybe it's formulations, etc. You want to be getting familiar with the staff, the key players. And then when the CHFA comes to your town, whether in Vancouver in April or May, or in Toronto in September, October, you want to start reaching out and follow up with these people and start meeting them FaceTime, not, not, not waiting for a job opportunity to come up. I'll tell you, my last job, op, uh, the, the, um, the company that I'm currently working with, Actually, there wasn't a job opportunity available. I just thought that it might be an incredible fit because I did my my homework and I reached out and I was proactive and they created a position for me and I love it. And the Mm -hmm. same can happen with you at any company. So um, don't be afraid. Go out, um, you know, and just uh, make yourself known and just have a good time. Have a good time. This is a, you know, this is an amazing industry. This isn't the medical profession or the the sort of... um, the medical profession inside of a hospital. It's not the sterile environment. So we don't have to be that way. You know, we, we are afforded the opportunity to sort of put ourselves out there and have fun and engage with people. And so that's one of the best things about being a naturopathic doctor. Why would you want to throw that to the curb? I love that. I, I don't. Any key resources <laughs> that have really sort of molded where you are now? Um, key resources, you know, um, with, for practice business or for, um, Anything? Well, Gary Vaynerchuk, I would, I would lean on The Thank You Economy. I think The Thank You Economy is a great, great book. Um, there's this other incredible book. It's called Lead, Sell, or Get Out of the Way. Okay. It's, an inc- it's a very short read, um, and you could take it with a grain of salt, but it's a phenomenal read. That really gives you perspective on, um, like, salespeople. Right. You know, and, um, but it, it's an incredible, incredible book. And then uh, connect with me, you know, connect with me on, on Facebook. It's lifelongwell.ca. People can reach out, out to me, email, um, Twitter handle is at lifelongwell. They can just reach out. I'm very responsive. I'd love to hear their thoughts, feedback, um, suggestions that they might have even. Awesome. That's basically it. 
Well, thank you so much, Robert, for being on the show. And My pleasure. Thanks for having some, me on this. This is fantastic. Yeah, and giving us some, um, you know, some realistic insights into what somebody's business model could look like. And it doesn't always have to be in practice. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's phenomenal opportunities uh, in all areas of this incredible profession and industry. So um, have an incredible uh, rest of this podcast series. It's an incredible series that you're creating. Um, Thank you. Uh, I've been watching some of the, uh, the interviews. So best of luck with that. And um, anything else you need, just give me a holler. I will. Thank you so much for being on the show. And there you have it, folks, another great podcast in the books. And I certainly hope that you put into action a lot of the steps and a lot of the tips that Rob gave us today. Please don't forget that a big thing that he mentioned is it's difficult to start a practice alone. And that's why I'm here specifically for you. That's why I created the podcast to begin with. So please book a free 30-minute strategy call with me on my website, Maximized Business. Just go to work with Andrea and fill in your form there. Also, don't forget that if presentations are a way that you want to start generating new patients, to go to maximizedbusiness.ca forward slash tool guide in order to download your free tool guide of how you can start closing more new patients with your in-person seminars. This is Andrea Maxim with the Profitable Practice Podcast, and I'm out. You guys are killer. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Profitable Practice Podcast. Leave me a comment, and if you haven't already, I would love a review in iTunes. Definitely subscribe to this podcast and leave me a quick review. For those ready to maximize your practice, contact me at www.maximizedbusiness.ca.